All right. Cool. Get comfy. Yeah. All right. Get your snuggie on. I mean, <laughs> I get I get so caught up in in between being comfortable and being being upright, but. Tell me the truth. Are you wearing pants right now? Don't lie. Yeah, yeah. I and you okay. know, I put on pants. I put on I put and on pants socks. just just out of respect for you today. <laughs> I I didn't I for some reason I'm like, well, you know, you see, I don't I don't have on shoes, but yeah, yeah I I put on I put on pants just in case. Just in case I was asked. <laughs> yeah. Now I wish I had. I'm feeling bad about it. You are now listening to Things I Don't Hate, a podcast by Alvin Williams. Join me as each week I explore the often quirky passions that make our lives a little more unique with interviews from members of all walks of the entertainment industry, as well as a few of my family and friends. Together, we'll deep dive into why people love what they love and do what they do in hopes of making the world a more brighter, understanding, and successful place to be. If you would like to subscribe, join me at thingsidonthate.com. Hello and welcome to Things I Don't Hate, the podcast in which we pontificate about the things that we don't hate, which is code for things that we love with the people who we love and admire. This is one of the people who I love the most and admire the most. She's one of my favorite comedians. I met her on the high seas, but she has been touring across the entire world at land and sea for years, and she is one of the mentors that I'm so grateful for in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Miss Chris Pendleton. Here Hi, I Chris. am. Hi, everybody. <laughs> First Step and right foremost. up for some mentoring. Here I am. <laughs> Come on, my schedule's open. <laughs> now, do you, do you like, because there's, there's two schools of thought on this. Do you even like the word mentor? Because some people are just like, ah, hey, like I'm, I'm still doing my thing, Jack. I'm mentor neutral. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You mean Mentor fluid. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I call you a mentor, but it's it's more or less. I was just watching you work, like I was watching you perform, and I I listened to you, and if, like the things that you say tend to stick with me more than other people. So I just slapped that label onto you, and you were just living life. You. <laughs> I accept that title. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Does it come with a cash prize? Is there a crown? Is there anything? Um, I don't know. There used to be before the pandemic. (laughs) I saw gone. (laughs) COVID-related disaster. I I just um I remember and I tell I tell people this all the time. You were the first person I saw on a ship to do it the right way, to do it right. Like before that, I was new to ships. Um, they put, they pair the people together, like they'll pair the comics with other entertainers or, or whatnot. And you get to see each other, uh, perform. And that's how I learned in the comedy clubs. I got to watch other comics do it the right way. But when I started the cruise ships, they were sending me out there. I was by myself. I did mm-hmm. not know 
there was such a big difference. Um, so I was doing the, um, the family friendly show thinking, well, as long as I don't curse, I'm good. And, and I'm up there like, you need to spank your kids and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh man, this is not a nightclub. I learned that super early. Um, but I think they put me on a ship with you. And basically the gist was he's either going to learn how to do it the right way or we got to get rid of him. <laughs> or just shove him overboard. One of those two things. <laughs> yeah, they throw, they throw me overboard if I didn't get it the right, the right way. But only, only you know, if I, if I wasn't paying attention to, to you, I probably would not have been on the ships. Like everything you taught me uh, when, we, when we cruised together, like I still carry to this day. Oh, well, good. I'm glad I had something worthwhile to say. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I'm glad it was helpful in some way. <laughs> well, first of all, that welcome show is a shock to the system to get to get dressed up like that, to do like eight minutes and then that's it. Like I was not used to that. I'm like, it takes me five minutes to say hi. You know me. Yeah. So it was well, it was too. really it's rough. And that opening spot of 10 minutes, it basically torpedoes every comedy show. It's, it's not yes. enough time to do what you do. And it's enough time that people think, well, I've already seen that person. So I don't need to go to the show. It's just yes. a bad idea in general, but you know, I can't go around educating everybody on that. <laughs> it's just, you know how they do, but it's a mistake uh, to do that because it really just punches a hole in your show and makes it hard. You know, it puts you in a deeper hole than you're in to begin with on a cruise. Yes. Show. And then you, you, you burn on an opening joke, you burn a closing joke that you yeah. could have used for, for another show. They put you on TV in all of the, the cabins with no audience mic. Like the, mm -hmm. the audience is not mic. It's just you on a microphone and it sounds like silence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, what microphone are you all using for that theater? Because I need one in my home to block out all the outside noise other than my voice because this mm -hmm. is amazing sounding. That's how yeah. silent it is. They're trying to take us down, Alvin. They are individually, one by one, <laughs> one psyche at a time, just just <laughs> ruin us. <laughs> so crushers. But but I watched you do the welcome show and you killed. I don't care what you say. You did awesome. And it was the first time. All it takes to do it right as as a comedian, if you're if you're worth your weight in salt, is to see somebody do it the right way. And then you at least have an idea, a framework. And watching watching you do it, and you you had them like like that, I was like, okay. First of all, it's possible. <laughs> Secondly, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, well, it's it's such a unique type of audience for comedians. It's always shocking for comedians to come and work to that audience if all you've done are clubs, because it's an entirely different animal, you know. But you also have the audience right away when you come out. They love you in, you know, 30 seconds. So you always have that too. You know, anything I might've said is just tinkering it a little bit for that peculiar audience, because on the ship, those are not comedy audiences. As you know, they're there because the buffet is not open yet. So it's yeah. a different vibe than people who are coming to see a comedy show and laugh and think about something. So, you know, you just have to know how to tinker a little bit to that audience and then you're fine <laughs> that's, that's what i'm talking about like i this is this is why i think of you because when, when somebody cops an attitude or something on a ship i'm just like they don't they don't realize that they are the opening act for the buffet <laughs> yeah. that's it don't get too high and mighty because that's a fact 
<laughs> and you taught you taught me how to navigate uh navigate the ship because I get caught in conversations so fast and I get trapped and then I'm like, how come this never happens to Chris? Well, because I don't ever stop walking. Don't you notice that about me? People are like, hey, we love your show. I'm like, thanks, but I'm already 10 feet away. I never stop. I'm always urgently on the way to an important meeting. You know, you are whenever so good at it. you got to keep moving. You know, that's the secret. <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> I remember one time, like we were walking together and I got trapped again. And like, it took me a while to catch up with you. He said, Alvin, Alvin, listen to me. You are a shark. <laughs> You're a shark. These are the waters. You just yes. go through. Everybody will leave you alone. If you just, you just go through, you're a shark. <laughs> and I think about that every, every time, like you're not wrong. People don't understand how much we get talked to. We're one person. It's 3000 people on that ship. And yeah, everybody wants to have a quick conversation. You do your show. They know you, they want to come hang out. That's <laughs> a yeah. lot of hanging out time. Now, for you, though, you say it's still better than the comedy clubs, correct? In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of pure comedy writing, obviously not, because you can't do everything you want to do. And I'm not even talking in terms of type of rating material, just ideas and things. It's going to be too hard for that audience, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, when I moved into ships, I had to take out a lot of my college material. There wasn't anything off color about it. It's just so far from their experience. So they just couldn't relate to it. So you have to pull that kind of thing out. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely concur with that. And it seems to have gotten more and more difficult um, as I've gotten more experienced as a comic. It turns out the, the college audiences, they're definitely not what they used to be. I don't I don't I can't. I, I just stopped with the with the yeah. colleges. I'm like, no, nah, this is not. I don't think these kids are into this. <laughs> like the no, idea and that's of that thing because they used to be like the hippest, smartest yeah. that you could work for. Yes. It was a house on fire to do a college show. You used to love it, and now I wouldn't do it. Uh, right. And I know a lot of people have said the same thing. I haven't done a college show in 15 years, and I don't want to. Um, based on what I hear with people who try it, try to struggle through it. Now it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, who is your good audience now? I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a struggle out there to find to find an audience. And then that's why for me, I'm like, if these audiences are going to be equally difficult, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm most comfortable, you know, being performing. I do remember when you and I um, first met that, that there's there's a lot there's a lot of things that I uh, recall, but one of them was um, how you handle <laughs> how how you handle the the staff. Like normally, because pe people don't know when we when we get on cruise ships, a lot of times like the the security um, they try to pull a rank with you really fast for no reason whatsoever, other than you're a performer. We don't know you. We don't really like you. We don't really think what you do is that great. So. Wait, are you talking about security or the audiences? Oh, <laughs> I'll be here all week. You know, if they put security uniforms on the audience members, I'd feel better about how they acted. It wouldn't make a bit of difference. Yeah. But yeah, when we're when we're on on the when when we board the ships, like that's such a stressful moment for me, like they make it more stressful than it has to be. It's like, what, what do you think I'm going to do? Like my name is on your manifest. I've got these giant bags behind me. Like I'm here to perform man. like, why are you making this hard on me? I've never heard of you. Your name isn't on the list. 
We don't use entertainers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always right there. It's like, just, just look at the list. They're like, no, you're not, you're not on here. Like they're you so move suspicious. their finger down one name. Oh, oh, that, that one right there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Sometimes have you, you have ever to hold seen a terrorist wearing Air Jordans ever? <laughs> no, I'm not here to destroy anything. Like I'm a consumer just like you. I'm just here to perform for these people. But why, yeah. watching you maneuver through that, like it was, I felt, I felt comfortable when, when we, were, we were on ships together because I knew like nobody was going to give me any, any crap when I was hanging out with you. Ooh, I sound like a bouncer. A little bit. Because, <laughs> well, you know, you, you also, you had uh, Zoe. I'll never forget this. Um, the first time that we were on the ship, this little, because Zoe couldn't have been what, was she five, six when we first met? Six or seven, I think. This was 2014. Oh, uh, so she was six. Six. She was six years old. She was so tiny. And she had she had everything that I had as far as luggage. But it was like this small. Yeah. <laughs> and she just looks like this experienced traveler. Barbie luggage. Yeah. Yeah. She had had a Barbie luggage and everything. And I didn't realize she was part of your show. Oh, she's been gigging since she was five. Yeah. Yeah. She's a professional. Like she's an actual professional. Mm -hmm. And it's like now I had no patience for children after meeting her because I know they can act better after meeting after meeting Zoe. She's it a full help to me. Well, here's what I remember when I first met you. You had apparently been living in the engine room on uh, a ship that you were. I don't know if it was a ship we were on or the one you had been right before. And uh, I think you need to tell people that story where nobody would help you at all. I didn't, Nobody I did not, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought that's where they put the performers. I was like, what's so great about this gig? And, <laughs> Cause yeah. yeah, the first, the first two times that I was, I was on ships, they put me in like this small room in the corner. They did not have any bedding on, on my bed yet. And I, I literally thought this is just how it is on, on ships. Like I, they should have told me I was supposed to bring my own linen. <laughs> Well, it was like it was an overflow cabin, right? They didn't have an entertainer right. cabin available for some reason. So they just shoved you in a crew cabin or something. Yes. And it was it was like the it's the crew cabin that you stuff crew in when there's no space for crew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an emergency crew cabin. It was it also awful. doubles as the morgue on the transatlantic voyages. <laughs> that explains the embalming fluid. I, yeah. I just thought they were <laughs> So I get a, I get a call from you. You're like, Hey, did you get settled in your room yet? I'm like, yeah. You're like, all right, cool. Meet me upstairs. We'll go to lunch. And I'm like, okay. Um, which, which, which door numbers yours? Cause I, I assumed we were on the same floor. That's what I assumed. And yeah, you're, you were like 40, 21, something like that. And I'm like, okay, so one, one floor up. And it was like, no, it wasn't one floor up it's seven floors up because you were in the passenger area uh, as they do for people who they care about. <laughs> I go up there and you had a room, like a real room. And I didn't know these things were possible. And you had, had like, a balcony. I had a masseuse. You were so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you had Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know any of that. I was like, so wait, but so what, what else do you do besides comedy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh, oh, and and before you, I also didn't know that the those uh, restaurants were free. <laughs> well, you also didn't know you could go there any which way. I remember you going, are we allowed to go in there? I'm like, what are you talking about? Are we allowed to go? What? <laughs> Alvin. <laughs> I you you were my third my third cruises when we met so I I had done two cruises before that so I really did believe like this was the way so yeah I after hanging out with you I'm like they feed us they, <laughs> we get to dress all nice and be outside <laughs> I feel better that nobody would help you or tell you anything but that's just the norm you know, and so true. Yeah, if I'm on a ship and there's a new guy, I try to take him and go, come here, let me just show you some things because, yeah, you know, it's a whole new world and there's nobody willing to help you at all because we're the, you know, the two or three odd people on the ship, right? We're yeah. in our own category of, you know, they don't know what we are. <laughs> nobody. But it should, I, look, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't have to wear my name tag. Mm-hmm. Not only did I not have to wear it, like I shouldn't wear it. Ever, (laughs) ever. I didn't know there was there was so much I didn't know. So everybody was treating me like like this, even even the even the people who were crew who knew I didn't have to wear that stuff were were giving me a a hard time before you came around. And it's amazing. Alvin, you stick with me. Yes, always, always. You got my back. But don't don't you think don't you think it's amazing how the uh the cruise changes based on whether or not you have somebody to hang out with. Like just, if you just have yes. another comedian who you see eye to eye with. Yes. It's the best, it's the best job in the world. You yeah. know, so you were Tom Hanks and I was Wilson in Castaway. See, that's what happened. <laughs> Suddenly there was someone for you to talk to. <laughs> you were the one talking to I was, may I I was say. just listening. <laughs> I was taking in all all the good, or or have you ever have you ever gotten stuck with with a comic who just you're like please let this cruise be over like I I can't be around this person one more time like I find myself hiding from some some comics sometimes when I'm on the show. I've been pretty lucky with that. I've worked with some great comics. I've worked with certain acts that you have to avoid. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that never stop talking or, you know, that's what I mean. Conversation is about the, you know, their terrible flight that they had. I'm like, don't tell me that my life is hard enough. I don't need to hear about your flight drama. You know, yeah, they get they get miserable. <laughs> and it's just like, this is the last 20 years are not my fault. <laughs> right. and I'm like, Look around where we are now. We're fine right now. We're yeah. Fine. Yeah. Let's like, go get more cake. Everything's good right now. <laughs> now for you, um, you start. You started in the comedy clubs, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you when you started, I mean, who who were you looking at? Like that's that's who I want to be like. Like who was who was your your person? Because I feel like at that time everybody you had to really be original. I feel like people can get away with not being original now, starting out stand up, but you all really had to sink or swim back then. Well, you're, who did I watch? Who did I admire? Yeah, because I mean, were you because you're I mean, to be to be a a woman in comedy in in what's what's like a good old boys club, you know? 
Well, uh, you know, I didn't go to clubs at all. I never had gone to a comedy club in my life when I discovered comedy. I was in actually in graduate school when I saw my first comedian, and that comedian was Jay Leno. Oh. Um, and he came and did a show um, at University of Georgia. I was getting, at that time, getting my PhD in biochemistry, and he came and did a show there. And uh, you could hear the sound of my biochemistry career derailing because I realized at that moment, oh, people do this for a living. That's what I want to do, you know? And so oh my goodness. Um, he was certainly somebody I admired greatly and saw him in a few uh, club and theater performances. And honestly, Alvin, to this day, I have never seen any comedian who can top his theater show. Um, oh. I know nobody, nobody knows that who only knows him from The Tonight Show or something, but just a profound influence on me, the type of shows that he did in the clubs and the theaters. And uh, I mean, who else? I just watched who was on TV that I watched every single comedian who appeared on TV. And of course, I loved um, Jerry Seinfeld and I love Paula Poundstone and, you know, all, all those names that, you know, um, I just, you know, I studied them like I studied biochemistry and I, I probably studied and wrote for a year and a half before I ever put a foot on a stage. And I think that made a difference. Uh, that I was wow. so ridiculous about how I went about it. I wanted it to be correct. Sometimes it's helpful to be a little OCD because <laughs> I had done it that way. And I, you know, I had written it out so carefully that my first set was really successful. And, you know, I didn't have to struggle out from a horrible beginning. It was, it was okay for a beginning set. And, um, huh. so you, just, I mean, you, you basically did it like it was a, another course. Yes. And you and you you studied and you researched and then then you then you did it a year and a half mm -hmm. later. Yeah, I filled notebooks with ideas and things I would talk about. And I also, oddly to some people, never rehearsed my material out loud. I just thought about it, but I never actually said it out loud in front of a mirror or anything. You know, I just had it. In I'm my the head same way. And, and just said it. I think you can only say it on stage and let it happen that way and then yes. you know you fix it later i should have said this or it would have been better or sometimes sometimes it just comes out the right way when you say it on stage you know which is why it's handy to be recording sometimes if you're doing you, something you are so you are so on point with that because i and i tell people this all the time i i don't do open mics i don't mm -hmm. find it productive for me because there's this is what is this preparing me for to have six people in a room and five of them be comics who are judging me and thinking about their own stuff. Cause that's and not who I perform down notes for. on your bits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, if it's, if it's bad, maybe it's not bad for a huge audience. If it's good, maybe I don't know how good it is because the people aren't even giving me the response that I need. Cause they're again, they're taking notes on it and doing it themselves. It's like mm -hmm. the only time that I can try something new is at a real show because that's what matters is the well, audience reaction because there. what we do always requires a real audience which is why this last year has been so hard you know yeah. we can't do a zoom show we can't do you know it's just not effective you have to have an actual comedy audience to do what we do thank you yes and only we seem to understand that yeah just you <laughs> so and me it's all right we'll have a real <laughs> audience again alvin one of these days I, I and and believe me, like I have I have struggled with, you know, number one, I I I, I want to support my friends when they're doing Zoom shows, but if they're if they're not doing the Zoom show right, like I'm not supporting it because I'm like you're making us all look bad by this, you know, it's it's cheapening the product if you you know even even if you do everything right in a Zoom show, 
it's not the same. It can't be the same. But people appreciate the effort. But if you're coming on and you're you're in the living room and I just see like your your cat run across the screen and stuff, I'm just like, this is making us look like crazy people. Yeah. Not that There's, we're I mean, not, but it's making us look like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I well, I just it's it's been it's been rough because you know, as comics, we're always taught like, you know, keep, keep moving, keep going, you know, look, look for the next gig, you know, you should be getting booked. And, and now we couldn't, unless mm -hmm. we were, we were doing, you know, Zoom shows for, for private companies and stuff. And I'm like, if there's one thing I've learned, anytime that you lessen yourself, take less pay, do a less quality show, it doesn't return back to the way things used to be with more quality. Mm -hmm. it, it becomes what they expect of you. It becomes, okay, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And so we really, as comics, I think we have to watch what shows that we take, what stuff that we do during this pandemic, because it will come back around. Like these places mm -hmm. will get full again. And then what? Are they going to pay you the way that they paid you for the Zoom show? Because that's what you took, you know? Like what? What do you what do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I agree with that. I I think you know you have to stick to your standard as much as you can. I you know people are like well I, you know I have to make a living. Well, okay, you might have to do something else rather than comedy for this short period of time. But right. don't try to drag comedy down to the minimal thing it can be. And your highest hope is only slight failure. <laughs> you know, it's never going to be. <laughs> Uh, lightly lightly salted failure just a little <laughs> right. that's not a goal so yeah i i agree just don't even talk about doing it that way it's yeah so it's I, I, didn't, I, I didn't mean to inter interrupt you doing when you were when you were uh talking about stand-up um what about, interesting thing was i saying alvin i've lost track of it now. on on the road you, you were talking about who you who you studied and who who you looked after and you you wrote down stuff for a year and a half and then you were you were on the road did you what's what circuit did you do were you in the south were you I was in, in the, the southeast yeah i was in southeast? the southeast for when i started off there were a um, bunch of comedy clubs over southeast called punchlines and i uh, started in atlanta at the uh, punchline at sandy springs and I had been performing there um, for a few months. And then I was still at University of Georgia, uh, you know, getting the degree. But I had won an audition to open for Gary Shandling. And uh, so uh, when he was coming to UGA to do a show, so he came and I opened for him, you know, did like a 15, 20 minute spot in front of him. And he watched the whole spot. He was such a nice man. And, you know, he had one or two notes, which were great. You know what I needed to do to tinker this and that. And then he um, invited me to open for him the next week at the Punchline in Atlanta, where he was performing after this UGA show. And he actually spoke to the bookers there um, on my behalf, which I really appreciated. I didn't ask him to do that, but they had been reluctant to give me um, club dates. You know, that thinking was they didn't want too many women out there, really, was kind of the attitude. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Gary spoke to him. He said, you really need to give her a chance. She's doing good comedy and she needs to be out there and, you know, please give her a few dates. And they really <laughs> agreed to do it because of Gary. I think I was oh always God, so Chris. appreciative of, of him for doing that. And I had been on the road, I guess, for about a, a year and I wrote him a letter 
you know, just thanking him again for everything and just letting him know what's going on, on with my career. And I had sent it to his manager at that time. He did not reply. I don't know if he got it. You know how managers are, Alvin. So um, <laughs> I hope he got it. Uh, but I was just always so appreciative. And he was someone that, you know, I also admired very much as a comedian, another in the list of people that I would always watch and sort of dissect. How was he doing it? You know, wow. what made him funny in his way? Um yeah, there, there were there were several, you know, great people uh, along the way. And you just have to watch. And uh, I, I pursue everything as though it were an academic, you know, course. I, I want to dissect it and take it apart and look at it and put it back together. And yeah. so I, I did that for so many people. I sort of I sort of figured it out just through the examples of the people I admired. Huh. You had a reference from Gary Shanley. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I just, I, I never, I never, I never knew that story. That's so freaking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, nice I want a reference from a legend. <laughs> from I'm a right gym. here, Alvin. I'm right yeah, here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll refer you. <laughs> so you, you just, you just, you just gave, gave up your, your career in, in science. Yeah. I just, uh, I finished with the master's thesis instead of the PhD. So I sort of, oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I handed in, I handed in my thesis on a Friday. And then on a Monday, I was on the way to a gig at the punchline in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, I never looked back. And like a year later, my paper got published in the journal of biological chemistry. I'm pretty sure I'm the only comedian ever published in that journal. <laughs> so wow. point of pride. I know. Um, yeah, I never, I never look back. I've been very fortunate. I've always made my living doing comedy, believe it or not. I'm starting to get the vibe. You just happen to be a super intelligent person <laughs> and well, you could have done whatever anyway. the hell you felt like doing. That's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the vibe I'm getting. Uh, ro rocket science, comedy, <laughs> <laughs> what to do, what to do. Well, today's Monday. So <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. Genetics <laughs> and I'm on the road. <laughs> And we haven't even talked about the fact that you are an awesome musician as well. Now, oh, well, you're classically trained fiddle. in the... Huh? I play a little fiddle. That's what I do. You play a little fiddle. I do play a little bit of fiddle. <laughs> are you, are you uh, classically trained in, in um, other instruments? No, I mean, I had studied piano for a while, and I studied violin up through high school. And then I put it aside for 10 years and didn't touch it. And... When I moved into the ship market, you know, I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm having to take out so much material. Like I mentioned, I had a big set I did for colleges and stuff. And I, I had to move so much of that off the plate. It just wasn't right for that ship audience. And I thought, what yeah. am I going to put in there? Well, I'll do some, you know, something funny with the fiddle. And so I kind of hauled it back out, blew the dust off of it, basically retaught myself to play it. And uh, just started putting little bits in here and there until it, you know, blew up to now. It's like half of my shows. And and now Zoe is trained in the violin, correct? Yes. Well, she started when she was four playing. Yeah. Uh, my husband also played, you know, so it was everywhere. <laughs> Violins everywhere. She used to take my violin and haul it around the house like a cello. She couldn't hold it this <laughs> way, but she'd hold it this She's way. She's so little. <laughs> yeah. And uh, always trying to get on stage with me. I'm like, no, you have to be able to play a G scale before you can get in my show. It's just how it is. And so, uh, yeah, she started it four and did her first show with me in Los Angeles in a theater when she was five and then came into my show, the funny fiddle show when she was six. She's so talented. 
She's so good. I, I remember the, right. the last very time. Fortunate. We have a wonderful, wonderful teacher for her in, uh, in Las Vegas. And so we've been very lucky to have her in Mary Straub's studio. And uh, she continues to study with her and she's doing great. You know, she just won another award and a competition there. And yeah, we're working on, we have three new charts. We're, you know, putting in the, um, the second show uh, whenever it is that we go back. And uh, yeah, she's always coming up little ideas for the show. And oh, uh, I, I yeah. love I love Zoe Great. so much. Um, the la- last time um, I was in Vegas, uh, I was there for a comedy competition, and and I I took a detour. I was in La- Laughlin, Nevada, mm-hmm. and took a detour to Vegas to come come visit you two for a little while. And she played the violin, and I like you let me you let me uh, read her bedtime story. I don't have kids, so I never I never got to got to do this. So. Like it was, it was just such, it was such a cool experience for me. And, um, the, the next, the next, uh, morning when I left out, Zoe gave me this big hug and she said, I hope you don't get disqualified. (laughs) She's got your back too, Alvin. Not, I hope you don't lose, you know? It was, I hope you don't get disqualified. She just jumped straight to disqualification. Like, I'm just going (laughs) to. I'm going to implode when I'm on stage. (laughs) You got to watch your language. Some years ago, we had a friend of ours, um, one of the captains, used to be a captain uh, with Holland America Cruise Line, was coming to visit us. Uh, He was a friend of mine and a friend of David's and was coming to stay for a weekend. He had retired from Holland America as a Mm -hmm. captain. Um, And uh, we had told Zoe this, and oh, he's going to come. You're going to love him. And so um, I went to pick her up from school that day. And uh, she was standing out li- outside in the pickup line, you know, waiting for me to come. And I rolled down the window and all the classmates and teachers are there. And she's running to the car and she said, Mom, I told everybody that the captain who got fired from Holland America is coming to stay with us this weekend. I said, we need to go over retired and fired before he gets here. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I can't let her be on the podcast with us, Alvin. You don't know what she's going to say. You don't know. Could be anything. Do you do you see um, do you do you see a lot of difficulty as far as uh, her growing up? Because I mean, she's she's in in essence grown up on the ships. Mm-hmm. Like has has it has it been hard for her as far as um, meeting kids and stuff? Or Alvin, we are blessed. You know, she is so outgoing. She has never met a stranger. You know this about her. This is and true. We, we get on a ship, we'll, we'll be walking across the pool deck and she'll look and there'll be 12 unrelated kids in the pool. And she'll say to me, mom, look at all the friends there. And I'm like, that's right, honey, why don't you get on in there and I'll go get some iced tea and I'll come back. All 12 of them will be following her around the pool like she's the Pied Piper doing whatever she said, even the teenage boy. So I've got to find a convent school for her right away. <laughs> she has never met a stranger. And so it's a great environment for somebody with that personality. And it's great for me because she just goes in front and she talks to everybody. I don't have to say anything, you know? Yeah. I just can get to be Zoe's mom and that's fine. <laughs> and <laughs> she just takes over. It's great. Now, are you, are you, um, are you one of the performers who wears a disguise on the ship? Cause I'm never able to, to get away with it. People recognize me pretty quick. Well, I learned years ago to either color my hair or wear wigs on the show that, mm-hmm. So I'm less recognizable in person. Mm-hmm. And that used to work great until there was Zoe in the show. 
And now ah. she's the dead giveaway. People see her and then it's all over. You know, I have to send her five minutes ahead of me to go to the restaurant or something so I can stealth in like a ninja because then the spot's on her. and I can, yeah. you know, get my food and leave. And then I'm fine <laughs> as long as she goes in first. Um, it still it still frustrates me how much better you are at that than than me as far as being able to eat because I I always run into somebody telling me a story and yeah. I thought it was just a cruise ship thing and it started happening on land and I'm like is it just my face like what what is it about me that makes yeah, that quit me being so likable but you're likable too yeah <laughs> but I I put a hostile face on so I can go out in public. <laughs> I give off a get away from me vibe. I think out in public. I save all my love for the stage. <laughs> is it is it harder? Is it harder for you with all the equipment that you have to travel around with, or, oh, yeah. or have you just Life gotten used so to easy. it? Life was so easy when I just did stand up. You know, one suitcase that was it. And now I'm hauling electric violins and cables and transmitters and all sorts. You know, <laughs> and Zoe. <laughs> And Zoe. Girl doll things. So, you know, it's like, uh, I need a Sherpa. I need somebody who can help me <laughs> with all this luggage. You tease me about being likable, but I have never been on a ship with you where the band who you just met doesn't love you and like doesn't do extra stuff just for you, like during yeah, the show. Yeah, greatest fans. You know, I, I just always appreciate those guys so much that musicians are the best. You know, I love to hang out with them. I admire their ability and they get all my music jokes, which I appreciate. <laughs> so <laughs> we just have a good time together. You know, I've, that's been a real, you know, gift from putting the music in the show is, you know, getting a chance to work um, with the band guys. And uh, we, we love them back, you know, and they, uh, they're always very good with Zoe and, you know, do little funny things for her that keep her interested. And, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, we're used to doing our same show over and over, <laughs> right? Yeah. And for, for a kid, it's like, oh, no, not that again. You know, I'm like, no, no, we got to put the show face on and go do it one more time. And, and uh, if she's getting a little bored with it, you know, we generally have one of the guys in the band who'll do something like he'll take one of her stuffed animals and secretly have it on stage. And she has to find it during the show, something to just <laughs> be engaged. And I just appreciate them doing that, you know, having that uh, compassion <laughs> for a little performer. And she has a good time with it. It works, you know, well, both ways. See, I, I miss I miss being on, on the ships with you all specifically. Because I, I I go back and forth when 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 everything starts back up again, I'm like I don't I don't know you know what I'll do because you know it'll probably be longer, um, yeah. the contracts will be longer, um, which used to be a good thing, but now it's it's different when it's like no you have to do this like no you you have to do it this way, and I think I think it would be cool if we got to pair up with people who we we wanted to, you know oh, yeah it makes I, all the difference it's night and day. So while the cruise ship experience is the same for a lot of comics, uh, there's one thing that you have the designation of that not a lot of many people get to talk about, even if they're not a comedian, and that is you survived a shipwreck. Yes, I did. On, on, I a, did. on a, was it Norwegian? Uh-huh. It was a Norwegian dream. Oh. And uh, I can't remember what year it was, end of the 90s, I think. But yeah, we collided with a cargo freighter in the English Channel. And I, I don't know how blame was assigned for that situation, but I know the front of our ship looked like a shark and bitten the bow off. I and mean, it was pretty bad. Um, 
Yeah, it, this is an event that happened like, you know, one in the morning or something like that. We were sailing back to Dover, England, and I was sitting with the other entertainers uh, up in a lounge just talking after the show. We had had the farewell show that night. So we're all sitting around and all of a sudden the ship did a little shimmy, you know, and I said, it's not odd. You, you just hardly ever feel the ships move. They're so big. And all of a sudden, whang, <laughs> it went over like 30 degrees. I mean, it was a big tip, you know, what are you- the whole bandstand slid off. The, the oh, my piano, God. Everything went off the stage. We all fell out of our chairs. Everything just did that, you know, and then it righted right away and like that. But did, all the band, the did the band play off. like they did in Titanic? Did they keep going? Wouldn't that have been great? No, it was one o'clock. They were done. That would have been fantastic. Oh, so uh, the band was just chilling. Like they weren't, they weren't actually performing. They, it was just the band. No, was we just, were all just sitting around, but everything that was left on the stage, you know, <laughs> left the stage. I could imagine them falling over. Get, get my violin. Hurry. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it all, it all went over and the alarms are going off and, uh, I was, uh, I was with a ventriloquist, um, a guy named Jim Teeter and he was sitting oh. next to me and, and over the alarms, you know, comes one of the bridge officers calling code Delta, code Delta. And Jim picks himself up off the floor and went, we hit an airplane. How is that even possible? <laughs> I'm like, Jim, you really need to review the emergency codes. Uh, yeah, so it was an exciting adventure. You know, my shipwreck story. Uh, oh. we, I mean, we, we didn't sink or anything. It wasn't that exciting. We just sailed back to Dover. We limped back. All of our damage had been above the water line, so we were able to get back. But, yeah, we were on the front page of all the newspapers, you know, and I remember, uh, yeah, we were on CNN. People were like, how does this happen in the modern age? How did two ships run into each other? I don't know what the how final many, How many comics was. used this as a, as a credit at the end of this? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. So I was... You know, I was the comic on the ship and everyone, you know, we docked in Dover and everyone left who was getting off of the cruise. And then there were all the people who were embarking for the next cruise in Dover, which is a small town. They didn't have accommodation for, you know, how many people this was. I don't remember the capacity of that ship, 2300 maybe. And so they were going to have to use the broken ship as a hotel. Uh, for the people until they could figure out how to fly them home or to another ship or something. Cause the ship Ooh. had to go to dry dock for six weeks to have a new nose put on it. And so <laughs> they flew the other entertainers off, but they asked me to stay to do a show for the people who were staying in the ship as a hotel until they could go home. But they said, do not mention the incident. And I said, we oh are on God. a ship with no bow going nowhere. <laughs> and you want me to not mention the incident and they said yes and i went mm. so what what are they <laughs> they just ended up flying me to another ship which was a wise move because i would have just walked out in a life fest and said we are going to observe a moment of silence while you ponder the topics i'm not allowed to address <laughs> so they sent me off to another ship and i never had to do with that audience but that's the way they used to deal with things you know before the internet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't mention it and no one will notice anything's wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're all drunk, they'll forget about it. Yeah. All of them are free champagne. <laughs> we yeah. gotta get a gig together, Alvin. That's it. I know, I know. We always we always talk about it, but we do, we do. And even even if it's on land, like we'll we'll figure we'll figure something out. Like I'll try to 
get get you out here because you know Idaho is a place where um, COVID doesn't exist. So I don't That's know right. if you know that. So, <laughs> they, I mean, they they go it's around like central there in Idaho. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like nothing's happening here. People people forget around here, and I'm just like, no, I'll be home. I'll wait just in case. I don't know. What do you think performers need to know before they ever start a career on ships? If you could tell them like just one, one nugget of advice. Performers or comedians in particular? Let's, let's say comedians. Yeah. Well, uh, there's that old, you know, gem of wisdom for writers, which is that you have to kill your darlings. You sometimes you have to give up things that you love the most, you know, and that that's probably going to be true about some things in your show. Just be willing to do that. You have to be willing to adjust to your audience if you want that job. Mm. You know, it's not just showing up for a paycheck. You've got to entertain that audience and you have to know who that audience is. And that audience is such a weird audience to comedians because it's like they just dropped a net over people at a bus stop in a big city. That is your audience. They've just roped them in and sat them in a chair and said, we're going to give you some food later if you'll put up with this. That's your audience <laughs> on a ship. As opposed to a comedy club where they've lined up and paid their ticket and they're wanting to see some comedy and hear some ideas and they understand that you're joking. <laughs> so they're not lining up afterwards, you know, to the hotel director's office to give their handwritten complaint about how you've hurt their families terribly, you know. <laughs> but just you have to be aware of what you're walking into, which is which is that. And, you know, don't, you're not going to mold them to your show. You're going to have to be willing to give up a little of your artistic freedom and understand, you know, what that audience wants. If you want to keep working there, I would, that's, would be my initial advice to them is just be, be ready to have to tinker with it a little bit and be willing maybe to talk to people who've done it for a while. If you give me some ideas of how to do that, still your show, you're just going to finesse it for that crowd. Cause I think everybody wants to succeed. Mm-hmm. For any audience they're in front of, it might not be your hippest audience. You know, a lot of actors are not on Broadway or on television that, you know, they're in their little theater where they, you, you want to succeed for that audience. You're doing what you love to do. So do right. it as well and for that, that crowd. So you can make them happy. Like you like to make the club people happy. You know, you can do two things and so just, you know, be aware of your venue. Yes. And you, you, you don't do the same thing for every group. And, and so, you know, if you're, if you're flexible a little bit, you need to have enough material going in. I think a lot of people show up thinking their 20 minutes is going to cover them um, mm-hmm. in the, that particular corporate market. And it will not, you know, a lot of the um, cruise lines are requiring, um, you know, two 50 minute shows, two hour long shows, and sometimes an additional bumper. And for comedians, that's a lot of material. Yes. And, you, you know, you need to have a sufficient amount going in so you're not just stretched out for that you know, last yes. 40 minutes that you had to cover. And, um, and that's, that's, the other, that's the other part of it, too, is I don't think people realize as a comic, I'm not supposed to be performing for the same audience in two days that I just got done performing for. I should be able to have everything I've ever accumulated in comedy at my disposal for one one night, you know, and then some nights, some nights you have two shows in the same night, but it's a different audience Mm -hmm. on a cruise ship. 
you might have the same, you might have two shows, two nights, but it's the same people coming, mm-hmm. coming back. And then like some of the, some of the magic goes away, yeah. you know, or, or you're like, oh, I used like something happens in the crowd and you, you may say something and it's like, I, did I use that? Did I, was that this week? I said that, was that this, yeah. was that this cruise? I can't <laughs> say that anymore. It's gone, you, you know, or anything close to it. And this is and this is a big one because I, I think you and I have the same philosophy on it. Um, I don't feel like comics should have to do a clean show and a, an adult show. I, I feel like either you're an adult comic and you lean that way or you're a clean comic and you lean that way. But to to make it to where people have to do both, like mentally that that mess with me is like, well, what do you want? You know, who am I? What do yeah. you what do you what do you want? You, you know? have to be a doctor. And a physicist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the people um, who, who ask us to do that realize it's not, it's not as easy as we make it look, number one. But also, because um, I, I was taught, uh, there was this guy named Clinton Jackson, very funny comic. He was on, on the Disney channel and I watched him do, do a clean show and he was amazing. And I just said, how do you how do you be clean? <laughs> I think that was the way I asked the question. And he said, in order to be a clean comic, man, I mean, you got to live a clean life. Like you're, if you're being you, if you're being real, if you're talking about your experiences and you want to do clean comedy, you can't, can't live a life that's not really dirty or, you know, like you, you're speaking about your experiences. So if you find yourself struggling with a certain type of comedy, you know, take a look at your life and ask, ask questions. Oh, I had a point to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you don't you don't do an adult show, right? I do an adult show, but not an X-rated show. Right. I'm always having to clear that up. Children don't understand my show, and yeah. uh, nor should they. I'm not talking to children in my yeah. show, but I don't do um, the kind of show where anything would have to be bleeped out or deleted back when that happened. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I, well, here's a secret that I learned years ago. If you promote a show as an adult show, more people will come, right? Mm. Have you seen that? They'll yes. pack a room for the midnight show if it says adult show. Mm-hmm. So what I used to do was have them say adult show on my, um, you know, the little thing in the program, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't, I, by that, they mean an adult show. And I, I don't have that show, but, but here's the secret. If you are funny, the audience doesn't care whether it was dirty or clean because yeah. they're laughing the whole time. Maybe an hour later as they're at the buffet having a hot <laughs> dog, wait a minute, she wasn't dirty. You know, no, it, you just, they just had a good time. So, all right. If you want to call it an adult show to get the people there, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do my show regardless and I'm not going to change my show, but yeah. they'll have a good time. So nobody's going to complain that it wasn't an adult show. Yeah, uh, no, they, and they, I mean, there's someone who complained about anything, but you know, it's unlikely as long as they're having a good time. Well, it's like you say, there's, a, there's always, there's always a couple that wants a free bottle of champagne and they'll say whatever they, they need to say and complain to get that, that free bottle of, of champagne. So there's I'm al- amazed there's at always- what people will do to get a free 88 cent bottle of champagne that they also use to remove barnacles from the hull of the ship. It's not like this is a quality <laughs> bottle that they are going for but they will sell their soul to get that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're, you're so, you're so, you're, 
uh, so much more experience at this than me because I was really struggling with the the clean show and the and the adult show because if I if I entertained you and your kids were in the audience and it's like okay this is however you saw me the first if you saw me doing the adult show or if you saw me doing the clean show that's who you think I am right so if you see me and I'm entertaining your kids and then oh there's a late show with Alvin oh I can bring my kids to that I saw him I saw him at the the earlier show like he's great you know but that show like no I talk about different stuff then if you saw me at as, as an adult show and then I have a main show later on in in the cruise that's a that's a family friendly show mm-hmm. you're like no nah, that guy I saw him before like I'm not bringing my I'm not bringing my kids to that and it's like no like this is I was struggling with that I I didn't know how I wanted to be seen yeah. On, the, on the ships like did you ever did you ever go through that or you're just like no this is me I'm a I'm a rocket scientist this is what I do <laughs> so, but I, I don't you know I don't pretend really that I never offer two things um you know I I let semantics work in my favor if they want to ask me if I'm doing an adult show I'll go why yes because yes. I'm doing an adult show by my definition you know and at the end of the day the question is do people have a good time and, you know, if you've got that, then I think they're not going to, you know, argue about this point and that point. Was it this? Was it that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't worry about it. Uh, you know, uh, the, the people who, who are worrying about that are people I, I'm not interested in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I don't value the, the opinion or concern, I guess, of people who are going to be splitting hairs over that kind of thing. And, and I, I don't run into that very much. I've, you know, over the years with the ship work I've done, I've, you know, worked almost every major line that's yeah. out there. I really haven't run into any problem like that. They're like, go out there, be funny. Don't generate letters. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm just scared the they're going to put me back in the engine room again if I yeah. mess up. <laughs> yeah. And you've been there. You know what that's like. So I know what it's to, like. It's in the back that's of why my you head. Have the fear. I've never seen the engine room, so I don't know what I could be facing. <laughs> the stakes are higher in my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> do you do you remember um, when you it was me you uh, it was um, Joe Devlin, uh-huh. um, and we were it was, he's he's a magician. What 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 does he what does he go by? Devlin. Devlin Devlin Magic, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, he's the Matador of Magic. The Matador of Magic. Yeah, he's dope. Uh-huh. I like I love I love Joe and. He's a sweetheart. He he um he, we were we were at dinner and we were having this debate and he said that it's better to have the lights on during a theater show because it gels the room together and you and I about lost it. <laughs> Isn't that a magician for you right there? Yeah, I was I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, no, no, I'm like, hey, no, we need the dark so that you can focus on us and he was like no i'm telling you i spoke to another comic <laughs> he said that it gels the room together when the lights are on <laughs> i can tell you having the lights on is immediately going to reduce your laughter by 30 percent um yes but comedy is a voyeuristic thing people do not want other people to see what they're laughing at Yes. It's the underpinning of comedy is secret. Yeah. Yes. It's a private experience in a way. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. It's not that it focuses it on us so much as that it takes the focus off of everyone around you. You're not distracted. 
you know, and wondering who's looking at me and who's doing this. You have to have dark. I'm always explaining that to lighting directors. They want to put specials and gobos and things. I'm like, no, no. I said, I need to have any specials just in the center, aiming down and one follow spot. And that's it. I don't want anything else out here. Once I get the, the violin out and there's music and Zoe and a band, yeah, then we can all come up. But that's not the stand-up portion of the show. The stand-up portion, dark, dark, dark. It looks like a smoky, dark nightclub. And yes. Even comedy succeeds in that. It's, we just <laughs> That's how it has to be. And uh, don't go to magicians for your comedy lighting advice. <laughs> You would think that they would want dark and smoke and stuff, and that, but no, I, I, I was, I, I never, I never forget that debate because that was, that was like, and you got, and you got to remember, I was, I was still new to ships then, so then I was really confused. I'm like, is that what I was doing? <laughs> All lights. Once again, Alvin, just stick with me. <laughs> That's that's why I can't I can't do outdoor shows. I'm like because you know everybody's doing the the outdoor comedy shows, and I'm like, oh. no, there's a car, like yeah. right, like the distraction. You can't be distracted. There's there's well, we um, need so little. We need so little. Yeah, that's right. Give us the little. We need so little. We need you to hear us and see us and yeah. and see nothing else and hear nothing else. That's it. Yes. Um, we but sound, it's like we sound TV like a very needy spouse when I think about don't, it. Don't you find that huh, what? We sound like a very needy spouse. Like, I need you to see me. <laughs> nothing else is that so hard for you. I want to talk right. for an hour and you say Focus nothing. Why is this what so difficult? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, when you do TV shows and they have to have the television lights, it's terrible to do that, you know, recording because suddenly you're seeing everybody in the audience. And uh, I mean, it, it helps, I think, to focus as a comedian. It does for me mm -hmm. when I am talking to the audience as though it were, were one person. You're not talking to a crowd. Mm -hmm. You're not pontificating to the masses. You're uh, conversing as if speaking to one person. And it's much easier to do that in a dark room, uh, particularly in the theater where you, know, you are blinded literally by the spotlight. So it's just you and the sound of the audience. And all you need is the sound of the audience to tell you how your show is going. You don't need to see them. You need to hear them. Yes. And so it's distracting to me. If I have to look at each and every face and determine individually, well, is he happy? Is he happy? Are, are they having a good time? Is he? No, the crowd is having a good time. So that's what I need to focus on. And I don't need yeah. to be distracted by the motion in the room and everything else. So to me, it's, you know, uh, look at Broadway. The audience is not all lit up in a Broadway show. The focus yeah. is properly on the stage. And that's where the lighting is. And that's where you have to have it for what we do. Comedy is so fragile, right? It takes the littlest thing to derail it. And I'm I'm a I'm amazed at the <laughs> if I, I always tell people if what I did I labeled as a one man show, nobody would say anything. Uh -huh. Nobody would interrupt me. For some reason I say it's comedy that gives them carte blanche to start yelling things out or pull out just, their megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I also yeah. feel I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they'll 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 get up, they'll they'll sit in the front. Get up, walk out like it's nothing. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's dinner. It's dinner time. It's like, well, then don't sit in the front. You wouldn't do that at a theater, mm -hmm. you know, or, or at a at a play, you mm -hmm. know. But for some for some reason, it's like, yeah, there's and and that's why is we we need so little to do our job. But the little that we need, don't mess with it. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with it. This is all. This is all we need to make everybody happy for an hour. Just that's this right. little, this little it's bit. A little thing. 
No problem. I've just always, <laughs> I've always found you to be the, the consummate pro, you know, like I know, I know you're still out there doing your thing, but like, I, I look up to you, um, as a performer. I think, I think anybody who's ever had the opportunity to watch you perform is they're, they're getting a treat themselves. Like oh, I just, I, I, yeah, I just, I just uh, appreciate you, um, so much like I was I was actually I was nervous before we had the inter- interview because I was just like well what do, what do I what do I ask Chris It's like I because ev- everything that we talk about is always in my mind anyway so I I wanted to ask stuff about you but at the same time I'm like remember when you told me this <laughs> I do well, it that is no Alvin I don't remember when I told you that <laughs> clearly I'm telling too many people too many things I need to start writing them down <laughs> you know I could do a zoom show about it you could, you could. I'd, I'd, I'd pay. <laughs> do you I give you a discount code? What'd you say? I give you a discount code. Oh, thank goodness! You know, Who people were having me pay for stuff during the pandemic, and I was like, "No way!" Yeah, <laughs> that's no how they do us. <laughs> do you They're when no when way. this thing? How how long? How long um, do you think it will take you when the ships start again? What's what's your time frame? Do you need to see it go well for a month or two first before you're like, okay, I'll go? Or are you going to be one of the early hours, like an astronaut? (laughs) I think, well, uh, I imagine we're going to go back with half audiences is, you know, but anyone who's done the uh, 10 p.m. show already knows what a half audience (laughs) is. (laughs) No one is more pandemic prepared than the cruise ship comic who's been on a three show night, you know, schedule. It's just going to be all that again. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm not worried at all about going back. Um, I've had people ask about that, you know, oh, would you go back and do the ships again? And I said, sure. I, you know, I, I, I was uh, not worried being on the ship last March when, you know, everything was shutting down. I think w- one thing ships are pretty good at is managing, you know, contagious illness. <laughs> Look at norovirus, mm-hmm. one of the most contagious illnesses in the world. And they got that pretty much knocked. So I, I'm sure they're going to be able to, you know, handle this and, I think things will go back. I don't know if they'll go back exactly the same way, but yeah, if they called me, I'd be happy to go back and see what it was like out there. <laughs> I, I imagine us going back in spacesuits and like people clapping for us as we <laughs> as we get on. <laughs> like we're brave. <laughs> yeah. Maybe but the new hero, the pandemic heroes. <laughs> the real the we're the real heroes <laughs> that's right forget those healthcare workers look at those comedians up there without a face shield comics <laughs> <laughs> they're killing the healthcare workers yeah. are just saving <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, i just want to thank you again um for taking your time to to do this uh we gotta hang out um, I, I don't know, uh, what your schedule is like, but, but I'll, I'll, it's, it's pretty open right now. I often, to be honest with you, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty wide open and clear in case you want to pencil something in like, <laughs> this is, this is the most free time we'll ever have. Have you ever thought I about know. that? I'm trying to take advantage of it. I'm trying to get everything done. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Good. Like I, I started a podcast. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> You said you just want to talk. <laughs> I'd like to be on it sometime. <laughs> well, Chris, anytime I'm ready to hang out with you, come see me. I'll make dinner. I will. I love you to death. I can't wait I to see you. Love you back. You. And Zoe sends her love to you. I told you she wants me to let you know. 
She prefers you without your beard. She wanted me to let you know that. <laughs> but when she sees you, she Does will she like- comb your beard with her little Barbie brush if you'll let Oh, her. that's right. <laughs> She's got a plan either way for you. <laughs> Tell her I love her too. I love you both. Here's one thing I think we should bring up, Alma. Okay. And it was the time you and I were standing in line for a late night buffet. I, I've heard tell that you do a routine about this now in your show, in which I, I feature do. prominently. And I've never seen this routine, I but do. I, I, I remember your, standing I'm in line. Your, your best, <laughs> you, like, yeah, you were getting free marketing. Yeah. Like every every time I was on the ship, your name was said every every show, which shouldn't surprise you. I appreciate um, it. <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, I actually, I closed, I closed the show talking about the time that I was in line. Um, you and I, we go to the late night buffet because um, we don't like to eat before the show um, because our, our schedule is so erratic. And, you know, you know I, I didn't want to be bloated and stuff before the show. So I, I always had tight stuff on. So I didn't want to, you know, I say you don't know the future, you know. So, <laughs> um I tell them that uh, there's a performer. Her name is Chris Pendleton. If you ever see her, you just tell her Alvin said hi, and she will give you her album for 50% off, and she doesn't even know it. That's how good of a person that she is. <laughs> I see what's happening here. <laughs> and, and I tell them about how we were, we were in line, and uh, there, was, there was some fries. There was some fried chicken. There's a spot where the pizza was supposed to be. And people are waiting for pizza. I'm lactose intolerant. I don't want pizza. You know, I just wanted a piece of chicken, but I have to wait in line for all these people who want the pizza. And I was hungry. I was getting upset. And you were like, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, everybody's in line for some pizza. I just I just want a piece of chicken. And she said, well, then why don't you just tell them that, Alvin, you're an adult. <laughs> and it never occurred to me I could I could do that because I told you I was like, well, I I can't I can't be the only black person in line and then step out and say, excuse me, will everybody move out the way. I just need a piece of fried chicken and I will be on my way. And you said, well, I mean, look at it this way. Now you're the only black dude in line who gets angry because he can't have a piece of fried chicken. <laughs> You were sweating. I remember there was, I was. some perspiration. <laughs> you were worked up, Alvin. I remember this. <laughs> I, I was sweating. I was like, "What is so funny?" <laughs> and Plus, the, the whole you were afraid to ask. You had just come out of the engine room. Yeah. You didn't know that you could ask for the chicken. <laughs> And the, the whole moral of the story, and this is what I, I tell people because it's super heartfelt, is don't ever care about what other people think about you. Just be yourself. That's right. And Preach that's, it, Alvin. Yeah, that's how that's how I sign up. I get I get my Chris Pendleton marketing in there. I get my closing joke in there, and I get this emotional pause for people. And I mean, I have actually seen some people ready to write a complaint drop their huh. pin because they're just <laughs> the pen burst into flames from the shame they are feeling. 
<laughs> the person's passing the champagne bottle. It's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't need it. I won't take it. I won't accept it. This, this changed me. <laughs> well, I'm just so proud to be part of your show, Alvin. Oh, I'm, I'm just grateful for you. Like if that, if that, if that doesn't prove it, I, I don't know what does. You're, you're the freaking best. I love you. I love you. If you would like to subscribe, go to thingsidonthate.com. And if you just have a quick question or comment, please feel free to email me at don'thatealvin at gmail.com. <laughs>